0: Welcome to the Stop the Vanilla Experience. I am like just geeked about today's podcast because our guest and his story is going to resonate with many of you today. At one time, just like me, our guest was part of that 87.7% of our workforce that... Do not, des- do not describe themselves as passionate about what they do for a living. I mean, five to six days a week, these people go to work because they're not passionate about what they do. And I was there at one time, and, and Matt, our guest, was there at one time as well. And so after going through the Stop the Vanilla in Your Career and Life process, Matt is now part of that coveted 12.3% of the population that does describe himself as passionate about what they do. And I'm just really confident his story Is going to inspire hundreds, if not thousands of people to pursue a career to love what they do for a living. And that really the takeaway is that anyone at any time, at any age in their life, any point in their career can go through this process to find a career that they'll love what they do. Um, The process really meets you where you're at. Um, So everyone listening to this podcast, you you already have the two ingredients to define a career path to love what you do. And as Matt shares his journey to find a career that he is passionate about, um, you know, I'm, 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 it's gonna resonate with you. And I want you to use Matt's story as a spark to start your journey to loving what you do to live the life you want. Hey there, I'm Steve Van Remortel, Chief Strategist and Talent Advisor for Stop to Vanilla and the host of the Stop to Vanilla Experience, where we help you Achieve your vision for your business and your career in life by having the right strategy and the right talent. In your business, when your talent plan and talent decisions are based on your strategy, your company will accelerate towards your vision and achieve record profitability and growth. And in your career in life, when you have the right strategy based on your natural talents, you will love what you do, deliver it naturally, excel at it, and get rewarded for it allowing you to live the life you want. It's about strategy and talent. Strategy and talent plan for your business, strategy and talent plan for your career and life. Because there's nothing you can't achieve in your business and life with the right strategy and right talent. So hey Matt, welcome to the Stop the Vanilla Experience. Uh, As I had said, I am jacked up to have you here because um, you and I have been on a journey together and one of my rewards is seeing people like you just really solid good people have success in their life and so I'm excited to have you on today.
1: Well, thanks Steve. It's great to be here and and uh, I'm excited to to chat with you and and to tell your listeners uh, more about my story and and uh, bits of our journey that got me from that 87% to that 12%. Yeah.
0: So, let's touch on first on your story. So, just give us a little bit of an origin story um, you know, where would you grow up, you know, when you left high school? So just tell us a little bit about your growing up. And then, you know, did you know what you wanted to do in high school? Did you think what you knew? Why would you go to what you go to college for? Just give us a little bit of your orange origin story.
1: Yeah, you know, coming out of high school, I was really clear on, on where I wanted to go. Really? And uh, high school for me was a uh, uh, real strong focus on academics. And I was a great student and had for a long time been moving towards engineering. And uh, I would say that that uh, desire to understand how things work, take them apart, figure them out, figure out how things work. And especially in the electronics area, uh, that was an interest, uh, a longstanding interest that I had. And so coming out of high school, very clear direction into electrical engineering. That's the degree I pursued and uh, and landed a job early on uh, in in that field after interning with some very large companies. I was at IBM uh, during engineering days and then Procter and Gamble. Uh, and ultimately landed a telecom firm in Madison, Wisconsin. So growing up in Wisconsin, uh, Madison and uh, and Sheboygan.
0: Hmm. So you left high school knowing what you wanted to do, and then you went to college for what you thought you wanted to do, okay? You get your first job, and so what happened? I mean, did it go like, I love this, or I mean, how'd your first job go?
1: Yeah, great question. And you know, I, I had that passion for electrical engineering for so long, and I got to the first job, and it was it was great. But I think very quickly, the realization that hit me was that uh, I had a lot of interests that went beyond just electrical engineering in terms of management, strategy, and very quickly came to understand uh, just how flat uh, the career path was, at least in the company that I started in, uh, in in the engineering world. Uh, you know, there's lots of different layers, but if you boil them down, it's it's essentially engineer, senior engineer, and, and in many companies, vice president of engineering. And, uh, or you can go more of the management route and then immediately leave the technical side of engineering. And for me, what drove that passion for engineering was the technical side. And so I realized quickly on, uh, as interesting as it was and as longstanding as those interests had been in, in engineering. I didn't see myself continuing on that path and following one of those trajectories along that flat uh, hierarchy, if you will, in many engineering companies. And so I thought, if I'm going to make a move, I'd like to do that sooner than later. Uh, We didn't, uh, I was married at the time, but we didn't have kids. And, but thinking about kids and thinking about the impact of uh, major career changes on on those early years, and so started taking steps to explore other options. And really, I was looking at three other options at that time. I was looking at an advanced degree in engineering to move into a larger company or or into a more technical role, uh, sort of traditional, really hardcore engineering. I was looking at uh, an MBA to go more the business side, but I think I I always had this nagging sense of not wanting to leave uh, the technical side of, of engineering. Uh, And then uh, law. And and interestingly, on the law side, uh, an uncle of mine, uh, very successful attorney and had been giving me some guidance and some suggestion to even in engineering school to really look hard at at law for the simple reason that many engineers, uh, when they move into the legal profession, move into uh, the area of intellectual property, and specifically patent law, uh, because of the need to have a, a very technical background in that space. And around the time that I was going through engineering school, there was a huge shortage of patent attorneys with double E backgrounds. And so this was sort of rattling around in my brain. I was interested in uh, logic and reasoning, you know, dating back to high school and, and, and before, and um, could hold my own in, in uh, arguments and, and discussions. Uh, and so the the law was of interest. And in, around that time, as I was thinking about these other other options, uh, that came to the surface again as a point of exploration.
0: Yeah. Now, all this searching that you're doing, um, so electrical engineer, and now you're thinking law, like, is that, was it practical? Was it passion-based? Was it just logic? Or was there a specific emphasis to it? Like, you you're trying to figure all this out and now you're going to go back for your law degree. I mean at the time were you kind of searching or did you feel pretty good about it? I don't know, it's just I'm
1: the venture into law was not immediate and it was it was more a matter of let's take forward progress take a couple steps and explore this. And so the law thing started out, you know, taking the LSAT, that's the entrance exam to law schools and, and just kind of see what happens. And then it was uh, apply to university of Wisconsin law school and see what happens. And they had a night program. And so I actually really dipped my toes in the water first and uh, went to night school and, and held on to my engineering job. Uh, and so it was a slow process uh, and it was, I would characterize it as, exploring and checking some of those boxes and trying to make forward progress. You asked about passion. And at that point, I would not say that passion was a big element to my experience. And I think we'll touch on this later in the podcast, but um, maybe one other part of my origin story, that's probably important to point out. I'm a firstborn and very typical sort of firstborn uh, you know, there, there are some aspects uh and you talk about them in the book, uh, sort of high on the compliance and, and also high on the tolerance uh, side of things where sometimes we just kind of march forward. And it might not be fun, but I think uh, firstborns in particular sometimes uh, can, can just march for a long time without asking the question, hey, should there be some passion here? And and what if we added that? What would life look like?
0: One of the breakthroughs I just had in our conversation just now that I just realized, and what we've known each other for five years now, four years now. um, you went so there's four steps in the process, and we've covered these in podcasts previous to this, but you know, there's really identifying, prioritizing your passions, like what gets me jacked up, what interests me. And then a second one is understanding your behavioral style. And then the third one is really identifying those career options that are at the intersection of those two things, right? And then what do you do? You start taste testing them. So what were you doing early on? You were taste testing, right? Well, I took, right. I took, the, I took the entrance exam. Well, let's see how it goes. So you were, it's almost like you skipped steps one and two and went right to taste testing because you were trying to figure it out. And, and that just kind of hit me right now. Um, does, does that resonate with you?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, maybe the one finer distinction between some of what we're talking about, I wouldn't have used the word passion at the time, uh, but I think I would have used the word interest. And so I, I had a very natural interest in, and there was an element of, of passion, but I think as we'll, as we'll get into, I imagine, in, in a few minutes, I mean, the, the passion and the intersection of passion and natural wiring and skill set really became critical when we started working together together right before I made a pretty significant transition
0: yeah so that the first takeaway for me today and uh, really want the listeners to kind of think through here is that is that in Matt's story and everybody's story is going to be different that's a cool part about this and one of the things we're excited about with this book coming out in a couple weeks is that everybody's journey everyone to figuring it out is going to be different and we're going to share all those on our Facebook group and people can learn from each other and stuff but you without knowing it you went right to taste testing versus kind of figuring out who i was and what i was passionate about and there's nothing wrong with that the fact that you were taste testing and moving forward was brilliant right it's just you're going it'll you'll figure it out eventually but what we'll talk about in a minute here is how you you know got to that point where we took those first two steps and really put some i guess formalized it a little bit more for you so um in order for us to continue on here continue on your origin story um, up until the point that you reached out to me?
1: Yeah, so from uh, a- after I made the jump, so I-, I mentioned that I'd sort of dipped my toes into-, into the law. At some point, that was a full-on jump. And uh, coming out of law school then, uh, clerked at a great Midwestern firm uh, in Milwaukee, and, uh, but ultimately made the decision to start at a very large firm. And-, and in part from some of the guidance that I got actually from that, that uh, firm in Milwaukee, Uh, So I landed at an intellectual property powerhouse in Minneapolis called Fish and Richardson. Uh, That was the start and just a fantastic start to a patent law uh, career. And also obviously a very significant move from Madison, Wisconsin to to a completely new, uh, very large metro area, which really played into some of the future career moves uh, that I ended up making. So landed at Fish and Richardson, spent a number of years, and really learned patent law from some of the best in the field. and uh, I, I should add uh, that along this time, always had an interest in business. I mean, I mentioned that I had considered an MBA and going the business route and, and the whole management uh, side of things. Uh, it wasn't clear to me going into a big firm if I was sort of cut out to be a career firm uh, attorney. At the time of of my days in Fish and Richardson, always had an interest in the business side and figured that I would land. Uh, at a company in the legal department. That's in fact what happened. It came a little bit earlier. I was recruited to go to Honeywell and uh, ended up spending uh, nine years at Honeywell. Very large at the time, Fortune 75 uh, company, went through a number of restructurings during my time uh, there, but obviously very large company, very large legal team, uh, brilliant colleagues. Uh, And so from from the law firm, uh, as I mentioned, spent nine years uh, at Honeywell. And uh, leading up to the time before I reached out to you, uh, there were some some fantastic years there, but there were also towards the tail end of that time, professionally I felt a bit of stagnation, and uh, not just stagnation, but a, a disconnect between my expertise, my skill set, how I was able to help the business, and my ability to do that within the confines of a very large uh, corporate environment, and folks who are in corporate America understand this. Uh, You know, there's uh, a lot of great people in corporate America, and there's a lot of great things that can happen. Um, In a very large organization, sometimes you necessarily have to fall into a a silo. And so uh, I was starting to wrestle with my skill set expands beyond the silo that I'm in. And so what are the options for really tapping more of my skill set and helping the business clients that I've been able to help with even more. And uh, so throughout that process, as I'm starting to stagnate in, in that particular position, I became aware of, of a whole field of executive coaching. And this wasn't familiar to me. And uh, so I met with uh, two actually executive coaches prior to reaching out to you. And uh, that was helpful in helping me to just think through my skill set. And, and the unique package of skills that I had and how I might be able to deliver that. But it didn't move me any closer to making a change and to getting out of this feeling of, of being stagnated professionally. Really what it was, was a mentor uh, at the tail end of his career who had actually talked with you, was familiar with, with the whole DISC profile and the behavioral analysis that you do. And his comment to me was, you should give Steve a call and just try this disc profile, I found it to be spot on to me. And, you know, it's tail end of my career, but it, it really accurately characterized kind of how I'm wired. And I found that to be intriguing. So I reached out to you really not understanding the full process, but more thinking about let's check out this behavioral aspect and the disc assessment and see if that can help uh, supplement coaching and get me out of this point of stagnation.
0: And when when we first met, um, I was in the early stages of really updating the career and life planning process that we subsequently now put in the book. I was kind of updating it. I was, we kept seeing leaders that you know we'd work with hundreds of leadership teams, and on every team there'd be two or three of them that just aren't passionate about what they do, um, and that supports you know Deloitte's study of the eighty-seven percent, right. And so it's like I'm sitting across from these people and I just wanted to hand them a book. So hey, go read this, right? And and so I was in the early stages of that when I met with you. So uh in my mind it was like, I think this is the process we need to go through with Matt, but let me find out what he's really trying to accomplish. So um was it the was it the meeting we had in that well, it was a restaurant in a hotel lobby, right? Is that is that what you were, is that what you recall?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, the most impactful meeting that that we had was probably the second or third. I, it actually would have been third or fourth. And we were talking about a specific alter uh, a specific option that I was actually pursuing at the time, and you just didn't see it. You you did not see the dots uh, connected at all, and and it caused you to really push back and and push me on why I was interested in that particular opportunity. And then all of a sudden we took a giant step back and you really started poking at the passion. That's the light bulb that went off uh, for me. It was that meeting and really bringing passion back into the mix. And uh, I mean, I can clearly remember it. There was an, uh, there was a part of that conversation you were pushing me on this one specific opportunity and, and you asked about the passion and I gave you the, the response and my whole face must've changed i mean you picked up on it instantly and, and i remember you slammed your pen down on a piece of paper and slid the piece of paper across and and you said if you can capture that level of energy and passion you'll be hired on the spot when you find that that right specific position uh, uh in terms of what's next yeah because what and i, I re- was compelling
0: what i remember is you brought up this opportunity and you were trying to rationalize to me why it fit in your passions and i'm like oh i like outdoor stuff well but that's but that yeah, liking it one thing, but being passionate about it, it's a totally another thing, right? Um, and so and so that was funny. So that's that's back up and and talk about, okay. So we first talked about your passion. So if you list your passions in your life and prioritize them, we don't have to exactly prioritize them today, but tell us what they that's like walk the listeners through your journey, right? So we're listing your passions. Tell me what they are.
1: Yeah, so so I, I mentioned and, and tried to distinguish interests from passion. So I'm a technical guy. I love technology, love engineering, love creating things. And I love strategy and, and helping people make uh, strategic decisions. For me, the light bulb and the passion came with applying that to the medical space. So I'm in corporate America. I'm stagnating in part because I'm so far removed from the front lines if you will, in terms of real lives and real impact. And I was working for a business that was doing great things. Don't get me wrong uh, there. I mean, the the products were great. They were actually helping save lives, but, but it felt so far removed from the front lines. The passion piece was I wanted to get into the medical space in particular and have more of a direct role with engineering, with strategy. Uh, with the legal and intellectual property expertise that I had, and really be able to help move the needle for people who were touching patients' lives and really advancing uh, the medical space, and so that's the that's the passion piece, and and then some of the interests uh, that I had, you know, just in terms of skill set and engineering and, and and technical things.
0: Right. So then, so then we 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 took the first step, and we really laid out your passions, and then. And then you took the disc assessment and we talked about that um, and so I was just pulling up your disc here um, because in the book we describe disc and so Matt's got a 56, a 54, a 56 on his D, a 54 on his I, a 32 on his S, and a 71 on his C. So the strongest characteristic when in his style is that is that technical ability, but... There's still some leadership. There's still some leadership, uh, you know, characteristics in his style. So, what do you recall about when we went through your disc graph and kind of explained it to you? Just talk a little bit about that story, and and then we can talk about how we started connecting the dots.
1: Yeah, what stands out to me from that whole discussion is I have a unique mix in terms of um, being high in the compliance side. The, those those firstborn points that I mentioned but also being able to make very quick decisions. And I think that has helped me on the strategy side as I've helped clients, as I've helped uh, business leaders. uh, I don't need to mull over decisions for a long period of time, like uh, is common for people with with other aspects of, of my DISC profile. I can make decisions fairly quickly and, and usually fairly accurately and, and um, that was really what what jumped out that it was a unique mix uh, that's not as not, not very typical
0: yeah so we so we went through his disc and really explained it to him well in that he's got a little bit higher detail orientation which is really what drove that electrical engineering thing from the get-go right but he also Matt also has some charisma and some leadership in his style as well. He has what we kind of call a moderate style. So, yeah, the C's a 71 and I get that, but he's he's got energy in almost every factor in his disc style. So, he can be very the takeaways for me was very adaptable, very flexible, can move his can use his DI to lead or use his DI to, you know, influence somebody, but also has enough technical ability there. To speak to the technical aspects of electrical engineering or patent law and those types of things. So in essence, you were a person that could effectively communicate the details. That makes sense? I remember that yeah, conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we, we have all these passions that we listed for Matt, and then we went through his behavioral style, and then we started connecting the dots, right? The the optimum careers at the intersection of those passions and the strengths of your behavioral style. And so we started listing out these things that that Matt could do and what he'd be passionate about and what would come naturally to him. So I'll let, you you know, one of the rules we have here, we call it the shepherd of the talent rules of engagement is that it's your story, you tell it, right? So I I don't want to tell your story here, I just want to facilitate the conversation, but I just remember those steps we took where passions, DISC, and then we started brainstorming and really talking about all the options. Um, And one of the most moving moments of of this process for me was when I asked you a question was there anything else in your life that has shaped you that has that has created an interest in you do you remember that question and what you answered I do
1: I, I do and that really touches on you know why I had the passion for the medical yeah. space yeah so, tell that you know yeah number of friends and family uh with some specific medical conditions uh and I wanted to do something about them. And they were conditions that were very closely related to the electrical engineering background that I had. Uh, epilepsy, and Parkinson's and heart failure and kidney failure, not all electrically related, but, um, but yeah, there were, there were some folks very close to me uh, who, who dealt with some very serious um, medical conditions. And uh, that gave me a, uh, an impatience, if you will, for superficiality and, and uh, perhaps a more pragmatic approach just about life. And, uh, so, you know, where that it, it, fueled the passion professionally, uh, and, and really brought into focus the desire to combine medical with, with some of the engineering and law, uh, background that I had at that point and that I wanted to continue. And as we talked, that really got the discussion going along the lines of sort of general counsel, staying, staying in the legal world, uh, but at a different kind of a company, uh, specifically in the, in the medical space. And after our time of working together, really, you know, that part of my journey resulted in me actually going back to private practice. And opening my own firm with a very specific focus, really on startups and early stage companies in that medical space. Now, I'm two and a half years out from from that move, and uh, I help clients, you know, outside of that space. But I help many clients in that medical startup early stage space, and it is incredibly energizing to be able to help a company with formation issues and internal. Organization and uh, those early agreements that are so critical with third parties, uh, making sure that intellectual property is is protected, and you know the patent filings that even precede that, and really just getting a company off on the right foot. Uh, th- these clients are doing great work. They're they're the, they're on that front line that I wanted to get back to, but they need the right legal counsel and intellectual property counsel at that critical stage so that. They don't lose their innovation, and so that they can actually go and and raise money and grow uh, their venture. And so that's where I landed. And uh, you know, in terms of moving from the eighty-seven percent to the twelve percent that that we're talking about, uh, it was it was bringing that passion element and sort of repackaging the skill set and experiences that I had, and and really leveraging that all together as a package.
0: Yeah. So, you know, your story. you, your story is unique right i mean electrical engineer combined with passion for uh you know the the intellectual property law side and then you combine that with your disc leads to you founding your own firm but what i want to tell our listeners is is that you don't have to have multiple degrees you don't have to have any of that stuff to figure it out Matt specifically had a couple instances in his life that really shaped his, his, his journey and, and really directed him what was really something, how he wanted to impact others' lives. And so it's really understanding what, what interest you have and how you're wired. I mean, what makes Matt really good at what he does is that he can speak to the technical stuff, but he also can be just this guy you're having a conversation with, right? Um, and that's the strengths of his natural wiring. And he combined that with his passions to lead to uh, creating his own law firm. Now, not everybody's going to put these, you know, the intersection of their strengths, of their natural wiring and their passions in life aren't going to lead to doing your own company. You got to find out what works best for you, right? And that's what really comes from listing the options. Like, what are my career options? What am I going to love to do? And really then taste testing those. But you had already kind of gone through your taste testing previously, right, Matt? So when you got to the point where you kind of connected the dots, you moved quickly. Like, <laughs> I, I, I remember, I did, I remember the was, phone call. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I did, uh, but it's still a journey. And, you know, and I think as uh, for the listeners who are in that 87%, you know, I would just say, take a step, do, do the taste testing, absolutely, but recognize that it's going to take some time, even if you move quickly. Uh, and so take that step now. And, and think about the intersection of passion and your wiring and your past experience and your, your skill set. Uh, and if you're a firstborn or if you're high on the compliance side, you know, like I am, uh, ask the question if you're just marching along, kind of doing, uh, fulfilling the obligations that you have in life. Obviously, you know, keep doing that. But, but uh, I, would, I would say, look at the passion, and explore hard whether there's uh, something that you could add to the mix and do it today. It, it's going to take a while. And, you know, you talk about the rocky road on, along the journey. And, uh,
0: it is. and, and it even is. for
1: the 13, 12, 12% or 12.3%, you know, even for that group. The road can still be rocky uh, on the way there, but it's, it's a whole lot more energizing and a whole lot more enjoyable than just sort of stagnating in, in 87% land.
0: Yeah, and that's, the, that's another great takeaway here is that everybody's journey's gonna be different. Like I discovered my passion when I was 20 years old, um, didn't discover my disc style till I was 35 and didn't really put it together till I was 36, 37 as to what I would love to do and do it naturally. And now I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, You were in your 40s when you figured this out, but you were kind of taste testing and trying to work this thing out to get there. And that's my point is everybody's journey, everybody's story is going to be different. But to Matt's point, take that first step. You know, really get clear on what your passions are, what you're interested in, really get clear on who you are and what your natural wiring through the disk assessment is, and then the world's going to start opening up to you, right? The, the, the opportunities are going to start happening when you figure those first two things out. And taste testing gets kind of fun then, because you're, you're toying around with stuff that you love to do. Um, so you, we had our couple meetings, um, you kind of were tying it all together, and then what's the rest of your story, Matt?
1: Yeah, so so I founded a firm as I mentioned, really focused on, on early stage uh, companies in in the medical space, and it's it's been quite a journey. I mean, there's a whole uh, th- that brings in a whole another element that you know of actually starting a business myself. Uh, that uh, and but but as I said, it's it's been an energizing adventure. Um, so I founded a firm called Headland Law and Strategy. And uh, I'm based here in Minneapolis and in Rochester. So I started out uh, to really target the medical space. I was able to connect with some folks really in both cities early on and uh, saw a real opportunity to help many of these companies in both of those cities. And so uh, I I set up shop in in two places, dove in and uh, have met some just fantastic people and companies along the way that are doing great things that I'm really excited about coming alongside and, and helping them on strategy and and corporate legal work and and agreements and partnerships with, with the third parties and protecting their intellectual property uh, and, and really setting a, a rational strategy for those early stage uh, companies. So, it's it's been a great ride.
0: All right. So, you started your own law firm. You've been at it two and a half years. Um, so, one thing about the process, like, and for our listeners to understand, you had tried this a couple times previously and it's no judgment on the people you're working with or anything like that, but like what stood out to you that was different about this time? Like, why did it work for you this time?
1: I really think it was the focus of combining the passion with the natural wiring. And I would say understanding the wiring as well. I mean, with the disc assessment and some of the tools that you outline in the book and as you meet with clients, uh, you know there's there's no right or wrong as to your wiring it is what it is but if you have a clear understanding about those four categories in disc you're able to respond and uh and really work well with the wiring without fighting it and i think just that understanding and the recognition that you don't have to change aspects of your personality to have a fulfilling career that point is not clear in corporate america in some to to have a successful career in corporate america and i don't mean to single that out really in many professions if if there's not a perfect fit there are many areas where in order to succeed you really have to change who you are and i think the disc profile and a lot of your materials you even have a, a metric that distinguishes between how true you are to yourself in a work environment versus a home environment. And when there, you know, you pointed out when there's a disconnect between those two, there's a, there's an underlying stress. And uh, so for me, it was, it was getting a better understanding of how I was wired, what that meant, how that in terms of what I could do really well, how I related to people areas that I needed to think about. Uh, but then it was also laying the passion on top of that. That that intersection, I think, is so critical because there's a, a lot of things a lot of us could do. But only a subset of that really triggers the passion. And if you can bring those two together, I mean, to use your analogy, it's the cone and the ice cream. And uh, I found that to be really helpful and actually actionable. Whereas some of the past coaching experiences they were helpful in terms of understanding more about me and in ways i might be able to package but it didn't move me closer to finding something that was at the intersection of wiring skill set and passion
0: and and that's the that's the crazy part about this is that everybody every human on the planet that's older than 13 or 14 years old has the two things in them already they need to do this they have that natural wiring that's created while you're a teenager and then you have your passions in life. And I recognize your passions can change. And that's why at some point, people might need to go back and evaluate and taste test different options. If the passion you had early on in life is not lighting the fire anymore, then you have to reevaluate. But your behavioral style stays the same, right? So continue to evaluate the passions in your life, knowing who you are and making adjust- adjustments to what we call your mint chocolate chip strategy as you continue on in life. Um, and that's, that's what you did. And that's what obviously you'll continue to do. So I, that's a brilliant comment you just made there. So thank you for sharing that. So if you, had a, if you had a time machine, Matt, and you could go back to talk to the Matt of, you know, 20, 25 years old, what, what would you tell him?
1: You know, this is an interesting question. Uh, because there's a lot of aspects of my timeline that I actually wouldn't change. Uh, And and I say that because what I'm able to do today is largely a result of what got me to this. Yeah. And I, I think the best example of this is actually working as an engineer, even though very early on, I realized I don't see myself doing this specific job for the next 30 or 40 years, that experience of those years as an actual practicing engineer were, were invaluable uh, to me. So there are aspects. I'm not sure how much of my path I would change if I were able to jump in a time machine and, and give myself of 25 years ago insights. What I will say is this, I think there were a couple points along my journey where I started to stagnate and I would tell my younger self, move quicker through those points. And I think the other thing uh, that I would tell myself is, you know, I'm so mid forties and, you know, squirrely in the Gen X generation. I think my generation really straddles two very different mindsets professionally. The generation before, you know, it was common to just work at something, work at a career and even work for a company for a very long period of time, if not a lifetime. On the other hand, you know Gen Y, Gen Z, it's we've got the gig economy now that that generation participates in heavily. And this idea that you go and work for a company for your lifetime just really isn't the norm anymore. I straddled that. And I think if I were to take a time machine back, I would just say, focus on your own professional development. Don't lose sight of that. Don't assume that you can just sort of settle into a professional routine indefinitely. And so if I were to go back, you know, I'm not sure I would change too much, but I would move quicker through a couple of those periods of stagnation, do the taste testing quicker, uh, and really be focused on, on professional development. That's brilliant. Not get too comfortable.
0: Yeah. That's brilliant advice. So thank you for sharing that. Basically what you're saying is, is be more, uh, keep it moving, right? Um, keep the process moving until the light bulb turns on. I think it would be a fair way to say it. Um, So you were part of the 87%, as was I at one point. You moved to that 13% that that described themselves as passionate about what they do. What advice would you give to someone in that 87%? Now, I think you just might have hit on it. But does anything else come to mind for you in addition to keep the process moving, keep the journey moving, don't stagnate? Is there any other piece of advice or breakthroughs that you experienced that are worth sharing with somebody that's in that say 87% that that goes to work every day, um, but wants to love what they do. Any, any other thoughts on that?
1: The only other thing I would add is don't accept the 87%. There's so many things that you can do. And I think, you know, sometimes it's e- easy to get stuck in that 87% and just sort of accept that it is the way it is. And it's just going to be that way forever. And I would just say, if that's you, push on that, explore that, because there's so many things that you can do, so many different ways you can package your behavioral style and your skill set. Don't accept the 87%. It doesn't have to be that way.
0: It does not have to be that way. That's exactly right. I, I remember when you and I were brainstorming your options and there were like some really practical options and there were some really crazy options, right? I mean, there's a whole list of things that we talked about that you could do because at that intersection, there's a lot of options. It's just understanding what's at the intersection that really makes the process quite easy. Um, you have two boys, two young boys, right?
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah.
0: So what what have you learned from your journey that you're going to help them with?
1: You know, I, I think that that point that I just made about it, there's so many different options and there's a lot of considerations that, you know, we who are parents are, are probably p- trying to pass along to our kids, you know, pick an option that factor in all of the considerations. If you're, you know, interested in ten different things, and and one of them is not going to ever pay the bills, and one of them is, and all other things are equal, you know, obviously that's a that's a consideration that I think we're talking about more and more, uh, because it's easy to get carried away on just the passion, and uh, I, that's that's not what I did. That's not what you're talking about with with, with the book. So there's there's certainly uh, that element. Um, but then it, then it's, you know, it's this passion piece that we've talked about. There's, uh, you, you can't have a fulfilling career and a happy life when you're just focused on what you can do well without factoring in the passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I just, I just want the listeners to understand this, that Matt's a classic example of the 87% in that has passions in his life, clearly. Like that was not hard for us to have a conversation around. And he has a natural behavioral style. All of you have that already. And so it's really about connecting the two. It's really about how do we, what comes out of that intersection. And so that's the last thing I wanna impress upon the listeners is everybody's different. Everybody has different interests. Everybody has different wiring, but everybody has what we call a mint chocolate chip strategy everybody has the option or has the ability to define that career path that they're going to wake up every Monday thinking, "Ah, I I can't wait to go to work. Now, we all have our bad days, right, Matt? It's not a panacea, right? It is a rocky road. (laughs) It is a rocky road. All right. As we wrap up our podcast here, um, um, two things I want to ask you. Any other words of wisdom? And then tell us a little bit more about uh, your law firm and if anybody has interest, how they can get a hold of you.
1: Yeah, I, I think I've covered uh, everything, you know, find that intersection, make sure passion is part of it and take a step today. It's going to take some time. So just just start uh, in terms of the law firm. Uh, we're at uh, headlandlaw.com, H-E-A-D-L-A-N-D.com, uh, law.com. Uh, and uh, you can you can reach out via the, the website. Uh, as I mentioned, we have a we have a focus on early stage uh, companies. So startups through early to call it mid-stage, but, um, but early in, in, in their journey as a company. Um, I have a passion for those companies in the medical space, but uh, have a technology background and have helped many clients outside of that space as well on uh, formation issues, internal structure issues, dealing with third parties, suppliers, joint development agreements, that sort of thing. And then of course, uh, patent portfolio and intellectual property portfolio. So if, uh, if that's you and, and you're looking for some strategic guidance and uh, help in any one of those areas, I'd love to chat with
0: yeah. you. I can just tell you that my heart is uh, happy right now because um, like Matt um, and all of us, when we can impact people's lives, um, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And um, as the shepherd of the talent now, because Matt experienced this, now Matt has a responsibility to go help other people figure out their mint chocolate chip strategy. It's a constant, right? That that 87%, that number's way too high. That number should be about 50% of the people in the world uh, or in the workforce don't love what they do. 87, not, almost 9 out of 10 people go to work. And so now that those that are in that 13% have a responsibility to help that 87% through it, Um, and so I obviously want to encourage Matt to do it. And that's why I brought up his two boys because he has a responsibility there, right? So that's another journey and another discussion I look forward to having down the road when you got two, uh, your two sons are loving what they do and living the life they want. Um, so thank you uh, for being here today, Matt. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, because what you have accomplished, warms my heart, but it's the result of the Stop the Vanilla and Career and Life process. So I, I appreciate you being transparent and vulnerable about it and being here uh, and telling your story. I appreciate that very much.
1: Thanks, Steve. Thanks for the great work you're doing and, and uh, for, for working out this process in a digestible way. I hope, uh, I hope you can move the needle significantly and confident that you'll be able to do that.
0: Yeah, our goal is to change 100,000 lives. Uh, I would tell you that's our first goal. Our first goal is to change 100,000 lives by helping people love what they do for a living. And candidly, I'd like to move that 87% number down to 50%, and that's a lot. I mean, that's 158 million people who are not passionate about what they do. Let's get that to 100 million and have have some impact on this world, especially right now when all of us could use a positive movement in our lives based on everything that's going on in this world, right? Uh, So thanks again for being here, Matt. Uh, Look forward to staying in touch with you. Look forward to hearing the great success you have. And if anybody has interest, obviously reach out to Matt. He is one bright guy that loves what he does for a living. Thank you for spending some time today listening to the Stop the Vanilla Experience, where we explore how to achieve your vision for your business and your career in life with the right strategy and right talent. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on either Apple or Spotify. And we encourage you to visit StopToVanilla.com for a ton of resources, including signing up for the weekly scoop, which is bite-sized content on how to have the right plan and right talent in your organization, your career, and life. And always remember, those who plan,
1: profit.